All right, Wrestling With Theology fans, this is Pastor Doug Minton, and we are here digging deeper into the Psalms, continuing on in our trek through Psalm 119. This week, beginning with verse 89, we're going to look at God's Word being firmly fixed, that there, there is a solid foundation for you and your faith and your life in the Word of God, and that there's always been seen that way. So we'll start off with verses 89 to 96. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. By your appointment they stand this day, for all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours, save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. I have, set a li I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. So far the Lamed section of Psalm 119. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed, firmly set in the heavens, as we say in the responsory for matins and the service of prayer and preaching, that forever the word of God is fixed. As God says to the prophet Malachi, I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, his word does not change either. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. Again, that idea of permanence in the word and the word being faithful. And the rest of this section goes on to talk about simply that everything in all creation, inanimate and animate, are all subject to God's will and authority and commandment. So everything stands the way God designed it to be. You don't have the stars flying around willy-nilly. They are fixed in their spots, in their revolution around whatever it is that they are revolving around. But even in that, verse 96, I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. We have this idea of perfection, and I have seen documentaries throughout that go through the decades trying to figure out, okay, what is the idea of the perfect man or the perfect woman or the perfect place and whatever. And it changes from generation to generation what that definition of perfection is. Why? Because there is a limit to perfection in this life. There is a limit to perfection in this fallen world because even our idea of perfection is flawed. Our idea of perfection has sin. Our idea of perfection is not what God considers perfect. The psalmist continues on in 97 to 104. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. 
I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. So far now the mem section of Psalm 119. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies. This is one of those times where I can firmly see Christ praying this psalm. is because his enemies, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the elders, the Herodians, you pick whichever grouping you want to put it in. And the main issue between them is that Jesus keeps the commandments of God. Jesus knows the law of God. And the others don't. That's what makes him wiser. Yes, the Pharisees spent their entire lives memorizing the scriptures. And you can memorize all you want, but you will never know more than the one who wrote them in the first place. You can take your favorite author and you can rid, riddle them with trivia questions about their work. And you can think you're so smart. But you have to remember, their writings, especially fiction writers, everything came out of their imagination and their interpretation of things. And because they are the author, they are the ones who are right. Therefore, we have in us this fixed word, this fixed word of God that is set forth from the author and finisher of our faith, as Hebrews 12 says. He is the one in his word that gives us more wisdom than our enemies have. And they may have all kinds of letters before and after their names. They can have all kinds of degrees on the walls and be very smart people. That does not make them wise. Case in point, you can go the other way. Solomon was one of the wise, was probably the wisest man ever to live. He was not the smartest. He lacked a lot of common sense. And if you question that, read 1 Kings chapter 11. That will clarify everything for you. Yes, he may be the wisest man, having the biggest collection of wisdom in his mind, but he did not know how to apply it. Because there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. God's Word gives you both. Because God's Word gives you the wisdom of what God wants you to know. But knowledge is that application of that wisdom. It is knowing how to use the wisdom. And that's where we typically fall short. People have tried, I've I've heard other people say the exact opposite definition, that knowledge is the collection of the facts. Wisdom is knowing how to put them together. And that is very true as well. As we look at the confessional corner, especially as we go through the commandments now and the catechisms, but when we get into the formula of concord, and there is a reason why each of those 
articles are written in the order that they are because they are building upon each other. And if you put the articles in different places, if you put the doctrines connecting them in different places, you get a completely different picture. You have you can show great knowledge and arranging it all, but you're not showing the wisdom that is revealed in God's word if they are in the wrong place. And then probably the greatest verse in this section, verse 99. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Every time I see this verse, I automatically go to Luke 2. Twelve-year-old Jesus in the temple, answering the questions of the priest and astonishing them with his knowledge, with his wisdom with his answers, and then asking them questions that they cannot answer. This is it. I have more understanding than all my teachers. That is the point. We not focus on what we can learn from the teacher. We focus on the subject. And especially when it comes to God's word, we focus on what the Word says. Not necessarily always what the preacher says, but taking what the preacher says in the pulpit, what I say on this podcast, looking it at the Scriptures and saying, does this line up? Does this truly agree with what the Scriptures say? Or are they going off on their own? Because that is where every split in the church regardless of how minute a split it might be, all comes down to somebody going off the reservation of God's Word. Somebody going outside of the bounds of God's Word and using their own ideas. Thinking they have more understanding than the Bible. But I don't care, again, how many letters you have in front of your name or after your name. You do not have more understanding than the Word of God because you and I cannot fathom the depths of God's wisdom in this book. We can go through and we can dig as deep as we want. I mean, we can spend decades going through the Psalms, breaking down each word. I mean, we can even go through each specific letter if we want to, and get down to the most minute details about it. But when we start keep looking at the trees, we lose sight of the forest. We lose sight of the big picture if we just focus on the one tiny dot. And that is where the balance between knowledge and wisdom comes in. That is where we understand who the true teacher is. And that is the Word of God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. Which brings us now to the last section we'll look at today. The Nun section, verses 105 through 112. Again, very important words here. Linking back to the last two segments. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. 
I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my freewill offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That light does not do us any good if it is not fixed. Now, somebody might say, well, you got a flashlight that you carry with you or a candle. But the light from that flashlight, that light from that candle is still fixed in the way it is pointing, in the light that it gives out. But if we're talking about a light that is just swinging about like a chandelier being tossed to and fro in a tornado, we don't know where we're going because one minute the path is in front of us, the next minute it's off to the right, then it's off to the left, then it's behind us. We don't ever know if the, if the light is not fixed, especially when we talk about the light of God's Word. If it is not fixed, if it is not solid, if it is not stable, we don't know how to follow because the light could be pointing in any direction. The light could be swinging around. But because God's word is fixed, because God's word is stable, because it is what gives us our understanding, it lights our path. It shows us the way of our Savior who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In this life, the biggest question anybody can ask and everyone has asked it at one time or another. What is my purpose? Why am I here? And there could be many, many answers to that question. But if you're not looking for the Word of God, if you're not looking for God's light shining the path forward for you, you are missing the whole thing. You will always go astray going off into the darkness because you cannot see the way. Which is why Psalm 119 is so rich and so focused on God's word and the testimonies being the meditation of our hearts day and night. The psalmist says, my enemies lay a snare for me, but I do not depart from your ways. I think of Daniel as he knows that the rest of the government officials have gotten King Darius to sign the law saying that no one can pray to anybody except for King Darius for the next 30 days. What does Daniel do? Three times a day he goes into his room, opens the windows toward Jerusalem, and prays to Yahweh. He prays to the God who was his God when he was a young child in Jerusalem that has kept him through the 70 years of captivity in Babylon that has carried him into the court of King Darius of the Medes. 
the God who never forsook him. His enemies laid a trap for him, and he walked right into it because God's testimonies, God's statutes, God's laws put him through that trap. And he came out on the other side unscarred because God is with him. And God is with you with his word. You may not come out the other side of the snare unscarred like Daniel. You may have the scratches and battle scars that last for a while, either physically or on your mind and your heart and your soul. But God has promised to see you through to the other side if you remain faithful to his firmly fixed word. That's it for this week as we are continuing to dig deeper into Psalm 119. I am Pastor Doug Minton, thanking you for being here, asking you to be back here next week as we continue going through Psalm 119. Two more weeks left in Psalm 119. And then we get into the Songs of Ascent, starting in Psalm 120. But until then, I wish God's richest blessings on you as you wrestle with the theologies around you and staying firmly set, following the light of the word that God has laid out for you on the path. Amen.